The responsibility I have before me is not an easy one today, but I'm lucky because I do it once in a blue moon, <laughs> at least here, because I preach every day in my job, with my friends, and I show Jesus every day. But today I get to do it here with you, and I pastor gets to have some rest today, well-deserved. Um, but I believe that it was a reason and a purpose that God has this word today. Uh, when Pastor asked me it was not too long ago to speak today, I'd had no idea what I was going to talk about. And so I said, God, you know, show me something. <laughs> what do you want to tell your people? And I was just meditating and praying and reading his word and something just a, un, a reoccurring theme kept on uh, processing in my mind. And you, you all may be, say, seated in this moment. I'm just going to, we're going to read uh, scriptures real quick and I don't want to have you stand too long. We're going to turn our Bibles to Psalms 91. I like this Psalms. How many like this Psalms? And I uh, just want to acknowledge my beautiful wife who's sitting over there. I love you, Denise. We just celebrated one year of marriage. Come on, somebody. That's a blessing in itself, and God has been faithful, and man, he's really grown both of us. Well, Mary, you thought you had it together, then you meet someone like, oh, wow, I did not have it together. So I'm thankful that I'm blessed with a beautiful wife who is understanding, helping. She was up 2 o'clock in the morning helping me prepare last night. And I was like, babe, I want you to read it because you sound better reading it. <laughs> so she's going to be reading this Psalms 91. So if you could just turn your Bibles today, Psalms 91, and we're going to be considering verses 1 through 11. And the word is read in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and his church says, his church says, Amen. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the, under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your, at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Before you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, not, nor shall any plague come near you, near your dwelling place. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all his ways, in all your ways. God, amen, amen. How many people received that psalm today? The title of this message today is called God the Friend. Somebody say God the Friend. I believe that we have uh, done a great job in this ministry declaring and articulating the different attributes and characteristics of who God is but not limited to. We know him as God the Father. Some say Abba Father. Some know him as God the Son, Jesus, who laid down his life for us. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Some know him as God the healer, for he came for those who are in need of a physician. Some know him as God our deliverer, who the Son sets free is truly free indeed. Some know him as our king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Some know him as my provider, always there in the time of need. Some know him as the prince of peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Some know him as the God of the miracles. Others know him as the God of the breakthrough. 
the God of the highs and the lows. And I believe that we have done a great job preaching of all these attributes and characteristics of who God is in this church. And this list could go on of all the names that God carries. He has a long resume of things that he's accomplished and has done. No one can stand to him. He is unmatched. All by himself, he is great. However, there is one characteristic and attribute that is overlooked. And the Lord has been pressing this in my heart recently. And it's an overwhelming feeling. I mean, I've cried so much this week, I can't even explain it because it was there the whole time and I missed it. He reminded me of God, the friend. You see, I have plenty of friends around me. I have so many people that I consider close to me. I'm talking about people that would die for me and I would die for them. Those are my friends to them. My wife is my confidant. She's there in my highs and my lows. She is my best friend. But when I start to think about it, I realize how God has always been there. He has never forgotten about me. In the coldest night, in the darkest hour, he was there and he never forsaken me. In this past week or so, uh, in the last couple of months, we, me and my wife have been uh, getting ready to start our journey and purchasing a house. And... And we were looking and looking, and it was just like, man, there's nothing out there right now. And we finally found one that we both liked and we loved, and we're like, oh, this is the one. This is the one. How many people have experienced that before? Amen. This is the one. <laughs> and so we put our first offering for the house, and I was excited. In my mind, I started already uh, picturing how I was going to renovate the house, and I was going to call David to, to help me build some stuff. <laughs> How many know David could do anything? <laughs> and, and I was so excited. I was like, oh, man, this is the one. And I started praying. I was like, God, you know, you know how much this means to me. I, I want to start, you know, our family. You know, this is, like, perfect for us. And then the next morning, um, I, was, uh, I was fixing the car, and I was helping my, my neighbor install a fence. And I was there for a little while by myself, and I was just talking to God. And I was just like, man, God, I, I really want this house. I really, I really need this. <laughs> and I get a text message, or actually I, I got to see him in person. He's like, hey, man, we're going to have to look for a different house. The house, they took a different offer. And I was like, I played it cool. I was like, oh, it's okay, no problem. But deep inside, I was broken because... I already planned all the colors and, and how I was going to modify it and fix it. And I was just so excited. And I was just like, but I wasn't mad. I had peace. And I said, God, and I, for the next hour, I was just building that fence. <laughs> and I said, God, I really wanted that house. God, I really desired that house. I really wanted that place. And God didn't tell me anything. I was waiting for something, for God to say something, but he didn't say anything. But what I realized in that moment is that God was listening to me. And he was just hearing me. As a friend listens to a friend face to face. Isn't it beautiful that we have a God that hears us? And I know it's such a minor thing. It's just a house. There's bigger things in life happening. But for me, it was the revelation of God, the friend. As I felt his arm around me, just holding me, said, not, not saying anything, just knowing that everything, the reassurance that everything was going to be all right. And that's a beautiful friend to have. God, the friend. And... And God didn't respond, but he was listening. And then that same week, my mom texts me something about friendship. And she's like, I'm praying for friendship. And then I come to the youth night, and they sing a song. And something like this is, take me to the place where I always belong. Take me back to the garden. It feels too good, so good to know that you are my friend. 
And when I heard those words, I was like, oh, my God, God, what are you doing? It feels so good to know that you are my friend. And that's just the revelation of God. The friend just kept coming to my face, and I was just a mess. And I started to weep, and I started in that moment in the, the youth that I started to think about how when creation started, his intention for us is to have direct relationship with him. To be in fellowship with him at all times in his presence. That was the original design of what God wanted for us to be with him. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, uh, in verse 8, it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called them, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This was after the fall of mankind after their disobedience, and sin will separate us from that moment from his direct access of presence. And we see through the text, in that text alone, even though when Adam and Eve had fallen into sin and disobedience, we see how close God was, that they heard God walking in the garden. That's the closeness of what God desired to have been with us always. So the fall happens, and from that moment in history, we see that because of sin, we had to do burnt offerings to, to, to atone for our sins, and it had to go through the high priest, and the high priest will, will present an offering on behalf of the people in the presence of God, for forgiveness, to find forgiveness, and to find relationship with him. Because he's a holy God. Eventually, time passes where the sacrifice was not enough. The priest was not enough. That God sent his only son to die in, on the cross of Calvary to die for our sins. So that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And that's a beautiful image. That God's desire never changed for us. And that desire was to be in relationship with us. And I started to think about how faithful he's been, not just this year, but my whole life. And that moment that I realized that I was walking with him my whole life. I was walking with God my whole life and I did not know it. From the moment of conception to my first breath, God was there. To my first heartbeat, God was there. To my first heartbreak. God was there. He has been so faithful and I never saw it. God the friend. I saw God as a savior. Oh, thank you God for what you did on the cross. And that does not minimize what he does because there is greatness in what he did for us. I saw God as my miracle worker when he, he saved me and he healed and, and did all these things in my life. I saw God as my answer to my prayer. And many of us do. But many of us also only seek God in the time of need. Many of us also only come to God when we need something from him. You ever had a friend that you needed something from, but you were almost embarrassed to even hit them up because you haven't spoken to them in so long? Hey, we're going to be in Florida. I need some Disney tickets. <laughs> That's the best one. They think I, everybody lives in Florida. They think they got Disney tickets. I don't know why. <laughs> hey, Florida, I need Universal tickets. 
I need a, I need a friend in the time of need. But essentially, that analogy in itself is kind of what we do to God a lot of times. We only seek him when there is a real need in our life. And his real desire was to be in continuous communion, continuous relationship. The Bible says to pray without, that means no stop. That means you should always be talking to God constantly. Now I know why my grandfather talks to himself. I thought he was crazy. He was actually talking to God the whole time. <laughs> we should always be talking to God. Because we do not serve a high priest that does not, does not, be, that does not comprehend our infirmities or our pain. We, know a high, we serve a high priest that can relate and touch us where we are. So why not talk to him? Why not tell him why you feel? You'll be, you'll be the first one to call your, your friend and this person about a situation, and God will be the last one you call. But if we put our trust in Jesus and establish a relationship with him, if we talk to him first, we won't have to talk to the other ten people to justify what we feel. God will give you peace. God will give you conviction. God will tell you that you're wrong. You don't need to call your mom or your dad or your Speak to Jesus. And he'll give you the answer. And yes, there's godly people that God will place in your life to help you and navigate through situations. But, but first bring it to the feet of Jesus. This is a very practical message. I promise we'll, we'll start shouting at the end. And I just want you to receive the practicality of God, the friend, because it's often overlooked. But it's a very powerful thing to know that you have a friend like that. So I was reading Matthew 15, and he was speaking to the teachers of the law. The ones who should know him and be in relationship and be his friend. These people, they were called Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law. Matthew 15, it says, uh, verse 7, it says, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. We worship God with our lips, and honor him with our lips, saying, oh, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed, right? We say all these things, right? All these things, oh, well, we maybe, maybe we never said it here, but I grew up with them saying things like that. And they will honor God with their lips and their, and, and, and their words, but a lot of times their heart was far from him. They didn't know his heart. They didn't know how to talk to people. They didn't know how to love on people. They just knew what the Bible said, but they never received what the Bible said. And I believe many of us have honored God with our lips and our hearts are far from him. We serve in ministry. We play instruments. We speak the word of God, but our hearts are far from him. You can feel, receive the word that you received today, but if my heart is far from him, then yes, you're blessed, but I'm still the same. So this message is for the person in ministry and out of ministry. Your heart should be for him first. And I feel that we're teaching and preaching and doing all this, but... We have to fall into deeper relationship with him. We have to fall into intimacy with him. We have to go into our secret place and dwell with him. It's not just a church day on a Sunday where we can dwell with the presence of God. You should be dwelling in your car. You should be dwelling in your home. You should be dwelling in your schools. You should be dwelling in your workplace. You should be dwelling with him in constant communion every single day. David says, I'd rather, be, I'd rather be in the house of God all the days of my life than anywhere else. Because he understood to have relationship with him. There's nothing more greater 
than to have a friend in Jesus. Amen? It doesn't matter how many books we read or how many degrees or how much theology we know. Have you made God your friend? Have you been with the Lord? Have you spent time with him? Or do you only have a relationship with him when it's convenient? The Bible says in Exodus 33 verse 11, it says that the Lord will speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now in the book of John, the Bible says that no one has seen the face of God. But in this text, it says that Moses would speak to God face to face. Most likely, the phrase face to face is a figurative expression. Meaning that it was an open, free fellowship with God. Moses had not and could not see the actual face of the Father in his glory. No one has seen the Father's face in the glory. Why? Because he's a holy being. I mean, Isaiah the prophet would say, I want to die. <laughs> Just seeing his presence. The word presence in Hebrew, if we could put that slide on. The word presence in Hebrew is ponim. And that meaning is face or in the face of the sight or continence. So now that we understand that the English word presence in Hebrew is ponim, which means face, let us continue to read. I'm asking my wife to read Exodus 33, 17. And when you read presence... Go ahead. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably, favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my, good, my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock, as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. My face will not be seen. So in the same scriptures, 3311, we see... God, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. But a couple verses down, we see that God says, I cannot allow you to see my face, but I'll show you my presence. And it says that Moses had such a relationship with God, and he had, he had built such a relationship with him. And God, he said, God, he said, he said I want to see your presence. I want to see, I want to see your glory. And what happens? Moses was face-to-face -face with God, even though he never showed him his face. Moses was in the presence of God. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And, and you know what's the crazy thing? Is that God says, I found you favorably. And guess what? He says, I know you by name. That is the type of relationship and friendship that Moses had with the Lord. That the Lord knew him by name. And surely the Lord knows all of our names. But I believe he's established there that he is my friend. Moses was a friend to God. I wonder what God would show you if you decided to be his friend. For Moses, it was his presence, the back of, of God. What would God show you if you decided to press in to his spirit? What would God show you if you decided to be his friend? What would God show you if you decided 
to have relationship with him. It says that Moses was God's friend. You want to know another friend of God? God got some friends. You thought I was popular. Let's turn to James, 20, uh, James 2, verse 23. And the scriptures was fulfilled that say, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called, he was called another friend. Abraham, we know him to be the father of faith. But you know what? Abraham wasn't a regular person. Abraham obeyed God. I mean, to a level that many of us would have forfeited. Many of us would have not even gone to the level of faith of Abraham. What did God ask Abraham to do? To sacrifice his only, his, his promised son. And you know what Abraham did? God didn't tell him where to go. He just says, go to the region of Moriah and I will show you the place. And Moses with no GPS, no turn signals or nothing, he is following to, to the region of Moriah. And then he sees the place and he says, stay here. Me and the boy got to go up. And his obedience, it was going to get to the point where he was getting ready to sacrifice. And, and, and God said, no, no. I know that you're my friend now. I know that you would do anything I would tell you to do. I know that your obedience was greater than your sacrifice. It costs something to be God's friend. When you are in relationship with God, you have to put yourself in a place of trust. A place of no matter what comes my way, I put my trust in you because you have never failed and because you are my friend. And because as my friend you have never failed me, you won't fail me then. And he still hasn't failed us. Isaiah 41.8, just in case you didn't believe me that Abraham was God's friend. It says, but you Israel, my servant Jacob, who I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my, my. He didn't just listen to God. He believed God. It's not enough to just listen to God. You have to believe what he is telling you. God tested him in a way that was far beyond many of our understanding. You want to meet another friend? This is the last one, I promise. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. It says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be the captain over his people, because thou hast not kept which the Lord hath commanded thee. You know who that was? Who was the man after God's heart? David. David loved the Lord with all his heart. And we see that in scriptures. We read many psalms and many scriptures that said that David loved the Lord. And when David did wrong before the Lord, he said, God, do not turn your face from me. Do not, do not, do not be in anger with me, God. And we see him. Always, continuously, I'm talking about some of the saddest psalms you hear, like, God, I'm a wrecking man. Look at my enemies. They're out to devour me. David spoke to God about every single thing. And I believe these scriptures were here not just for an act of worship, but an act of realization that we should continuously be in, in, in constant fellowship with our Father. That we should be in constant, whether we mess up or whether we got it all together. We should always be in continuous relationship because he's our friend. I know you want the miracle worker and I know you want the Abba Father. And I know, I know these are all, those are all wonderful. But today we want to focus on God the friend. Because that's what he desires to be with you, your friend. Very simple, not complex, friend, friendship. Right now, think about a person who you consider your friend. 
Now think about what, how you became friends with them. How much time you spent with them. You grew up, a lot of times your best friend is because you guys grew up together. You know what I mean? So imagine that to our God. God was, David was a man after God's heart. And the Psalms that we read today, it has no title. And it also says that the author remains unknown because they share very similar themes throughout the Psalms. So some suggest that Moses probably wrote this Psalms and others suggest that David wrote this Psalms. Because in the same themes and phrases of Psalm 27 and Psalms 31, something was author was David because of some of the language he uses, the stronghold and shields, a man of war, a man of, of, of power, right? David, it reminds us of David. But other parts echo of Moses, the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32 and Psalms 90. And, and, and no, matter, no matter who wrote this text, whether it was Moses, David, or another psalmist, It doesn't really matter because whoever wrote this was a friend of God. Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God has a secret place for his own. Even in Psalms 27, 5, it says, times of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. And it's a place where we live in, the place where we dwell and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, knowing that his protection, his comfort, and care is always there. Stay with me, church. I'm almost done, I promise. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. The close relationship with God and all the benefits that come from it are those who know Yahweh as God and trust him. As a believer receives his protection, comfort, and care, he trusts God all the more. And increasingly as you know him, you trust him more. So the more that I know God is the more that I can trust him. The more that I can know. If you have uncertainty and you have no trust, I want to let you know, know God. Know the God friend. If you do not know God, I encourage you today to get to know him and spend some time with him. He may not always answer you in the time of need. He may not always answer you the way you want it, but he is always present. And he wants to have a face-to-face relationship with you. Surely he shall deliver you from the snares of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. The psalmist inspired by the Holy Spirit did not intend that this would be an absolute promise. Meaning, That every believer will be delivered from the snares of the enemy and the attacks from the enemy. Instead, the idea of of the psalmist says that many times that God had protected him. That God had covered him. So maybe, maybe some, if you look back in your life of all the times that things happened to you. And you can say, God, you have been good. And then you look at another time where you didn't see God. You're like, God, what happened? The psalmist is is speaking from the place of knowing that he's done it in the past. But does it mean that it will always be the same? So he praises God in in a manner worthy of saying, God, I know that this is who you are despite of what's happening right now. I know that in my situation that is happening and what I'm suffering through, I know that you are a healing God. And I've seen your healing hand, and I've seen your power, and I've seen you do it before, God. And that doesn't change whether this situation happens or not. It doesn't change who you are because you are still my friend. Yeah. 
He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings he shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. This is a metaphor as a representation of a bird that it grooms and gathers her chicks underneath the wings. David also describes this in Psalm 61, 4. I will abide in your tabernacle forever, and I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Man. Buckler, the Hebrew word, signifies something that is wrapped around a person for his protection. Hence, it means a buckler is an armor and a uh, uh, a, a rampart or a fortress. That means that he, is my, that he is my covering. He is my shelter. He is my armor. He is my protector. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day. Whenever or however it comes, God is always able to defend his people. God is always able to protect and take care of his people. Nor the pestilence that walk in the darkness, nor destruction that lay at waste at noonday. A thousand will fall on your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Again, this is now regarded to the absolute promise that every believer in every circumstance because Beloved people of God have fallen into evil and died in a plague. But it is simply a happy expectation of a psalmist that in general expression that God's protection, comfort, and care is always for his people. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even most high your dwelling place. No evil before you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you and keep you in all your ways. This describes another way of God that may send his protection to his people through his angels, commanding them to keep you and, and, and protect you. When you enter into relationship with God, Our promises, his promises over your life are always fulfilled. And he promises to be faithful. He promises to be there. And I'm getting ready to close up here. When you enter into his friendship, his promises is over your life. How many people are a friend of God? Or how many people are realizing that they have not acknowledged him as their friend? The question that I have before you today and the question that I have to present to you before you today is that have you made God your friend? Is God your friend? The Bible says in James 4.4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. When you choose not to be God's friend, the reality is that we are an enemy of God. I know it sounds harsh, but the Bible is very clear. It says that we cannot serve two masters. It says that what business does light have in darkness? If we're not God's friend, then we're his enemy. And that's just clear. It's either all or nothing. So the present question I have to you is have you established a relationship with God? Do you spend time in prayer with him? 
Do you spend time in his word? When things don't go the way you wanted it to go, is he still your friend? When you don't get the house, is he still your friend? When you don't get approved for the car loan, is he still your friend? When sickness hits our body or someone that we love, is he still a friend to you? When death strikes our family, is he still our friend? When my, for those who don't know, my father, my biological father was killed. He was shot 20-something times in the streets. And when that happened, I said, God, I hate you. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't want nothing to do with you. Why would you allow this to happen? I couldn't understand why my friend would let that happen to me. But I realized that even though it was happening to me, he was still being a faithful friend. He was still present when I wanted nothing to do with him. When I, want, when I didn't care about him, or I didn't care about ministry, and I didn't care about the church, I hated it. But he was still there knocking at my door, saying, Danny, I want a relationship with you. Danny, you can't keep me out too long. I'm, I'm going to be here for the rest of your life. I'm not going anywhere because I am your father, and I am your friend. I am your savior, and I am your friend. I am your deliverer, and I am your friend. I am your healer, and I am your friend. And if things don't go the way you expect it, you can always count on me to be your friend. But I couldn't see him as my friend in these times of trouble. I could not see him as my friend in the time of need. And I was blinded by my situation, blinded by my circumstance, that I could not see him as my friend. And this is why the Lord wants to speak to his church today. Because things will happen. The word of God says that you will experience suffering, that you would experience trial. But he wants to remind you that he is your friend. When you don't know how you're going to make it through, he is your friend. And I didn't see him because I was hurting so much in those moments of my life. I could not see him. But now I'm old and I got some gray hairs on my beard. Thank God they're not on my head. Thank you, God. You're a faithful friend. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, want, I want the white hair. I like white hair. It's nice. He's faithful, though. Man, can you allow God to still be your friend in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of sickness and despair? Can you allow God to be your friend in the, in the middle of financial crisis? I couldn't see him. But the other day, talking to him, I realized he's been here the whole time. <laughs> he was with me in the trauma. He was with me in the pain. He was with me in my happiest moments. He was with me in my lowest moments. He'd never forsake me. And for many of you, it looks like you're going through separation with your spouse, maybe divorce. Guess what? 
He's there. And he's your friend. Sickness of family. My brother, he's there. And he's your friend. It's a beautiful thing to see the house of God. I did one of these little peaks when we were all praying. I was like just emotion. I was crying. I was just, I was just like, wow, God, look at the church that we got, that we pray for each other because not only are we God's friends, but we're each other's friends. And the Bible says to mourn with those who mourn, to cry with those who cry. And as a church, that's what we did today. He showed us today what a friendship looks like. That when we need each other, we're there. The church might have hurt you. People might have failed you. But God has been a faithful friend, whether you like it or not, whether you refuse to accept this good news, I want to let you know that God has been your friend and God has been on your side and God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten about you. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. And I want to let you know that he is your friend. He is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us in the hospital. He is with us in the crisis. He is with us in the sickness. He is our faithful friend. And I want you to go back to the place in your mind right now, the place that you stopped being his friend. I remember when I first surrendered my life to him, I was on fire for God. I was going out and I was telling everybody about Jesus. But what happened? I got comfortable in this relationship, baby. I got comfortable in my relationship with him. And, and what used to make me shout and for joy in the morning, now it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's him. But we should be continuously excited of who he is and continually excited that he wants anything to do with us. The psalmist says, who am I? That, 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 who, who are men that, that you are mindful of them? Oh, you thought you were special. Yeah, you are. I want to let you know you're special. But there's an everlasting God that desires to have relationship with you. And you only talk to him when you need him. He wants to talk to you every single day. He wants to talk to you every single moment. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be included. A lot of times we make the biggest mistakes in our lives because we don't include him. <laughs> We don't include him in our life, in our decisions, in our choices, in our, in, our, in our picking and choosing. You will save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of money, a lot of time if you just consult with him first. If you just seek him first, the kingdom of heaven and all its righteousness and it shall be added on to you. Come on. God doesn't promise us that everything will be perfect. He says that we will suffer for his name's sake and we will experience hardship, hard, hardship, but he is with us. The truth is that we need to make ourselves friends of God. The Bible says in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his. You are my. And if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his, his master's business is said. I have called you because everything that I've learned from my father, I've made it known to you. God does not withhold anything from us. What his father shares with, with him, he shares with us. That's what the scripture said in John as he was speaking to them. He says, I don't call you servants because servants, they're not involved in the, in the master's business. 
They're not involved. And they just get, you know, they just are told what to do. But I call you guys my friend. When you do what I command to you, that's when you become in friendship with me because you're doing, you're being obedient to me. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that I'm there for you. I'm going to show you that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to show you that I am your faithful friend. And so, what does God show us to prove that he's our friend? Can anybody guess? Say that again. Lay down his life. You know I'm preaching about the cross. Because that's what all matters. We read the scriptures that there is no greater love than a friend that will lay that a person that will lay down his life for his friends. God doesn't just speak about it, he is about it. He gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He died on the cross in Calvary so that you and me would be saved. So that we can enter into relationship. So that we can come boldly to the groan of grace. Oh, he died because he was a friend. He says, you know what? I'm going to take the place. Because because of sin, the death, the penalty of sin is death. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to let them die. I'm going to die for them so that they can have everlasting life in me. And so he punished himself, and he hung on a cross, and he died for our sins. And guess what? And yet while we were still, he died for us when you didn't believe in him. He died for us when you didn't care about him. He died when you choose to live a life against him. He died to still love you, to show you that he is your, he is your What a friend we have in Jesus. Can somebody thank God right now for his friendship? No, 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 no. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. Think about how, like, I want you to be at that fence, disappointed, getting to get the house kind of moment, right? Now think about all those disappointments Right now, every disappointment. Retract yourself from those disappointments. Look outside of you and see how God was there. He was there. You didn't see him, but he was there. So now that you have seen God the friend, Show his gratitude. Just have that moment right now. I missed it. I missed it. All this time has passed. He's been my friend. He's been on my side. He's never been against me. He wants good for me. He wants good for my family. He wants good for my community. He is a faithful friend. Would you see it? Would you be aware? Draw near to him and he would be drawn near to you. When you decide to get close, he'll get closer. Somebody thank God for being a friend. No, no, I really mean it. I really mean it, church. I really mean it. I used to be suicidal and I thank God that he was my friend. I used to want to take my life away, but I thank God that he was a friend. I used to deal with anxiety and depression, but I thank God that he was my friend. I experienced my parents' separation. I experienced, I, I experienced being violated as a child, but he was still my friend. And I don't know where I stopped counting him as my friend. He just was a God to me. He was just a genie in a bottle that I only call him when I need him. But he says, Daddy, you're getting old. You're getting older now, and I need you to know that uh, I've always been your friend. And I've always listened to you, and I've always been there. 
And it hurt me when I hurt, when you hurt. It hurt me when you were broken. It hurt me when you were hurting. Because he's a friend. And he's compassionate. And he's understanding. And he's loving. When they betrayed you, when they did you dirty, he was still your friend. Church, stand with me today. How many received this today? Don't overlook. Don't overlook God the friend. Don't overlook how much of a friend he's been. Because it's such a weight. It's such a relief to know that he is my friend. And now that I know that, I want you to know that. Is he your friend? Today, all over the room, I want you to make a decision to acknowledge God in all your ways and make him your friend. Every part of your life, not just one part. I'm talking about your finances, your family, your children. Every single part of your life, he wants to be involved. He wants to be your God of your life, but he also wants to be the friend of your life. So right now, Lord my God, I present to you, Lord, any person right now, Lord my God, that wants to surrender their life, to, to, to give you their life today, Lord my God, and to, Lord my God, to make you their friend. Today, Lord, my God, someone's calling out to you, my God, and say, God, I see it now, I see it now that you have always been a good friend. Lord, my God, I pray for every person from the oldest to the youngest, Lord, my God. Lord, you have no partiality, my God. You have no, you have no prerequisites, my God. You just said the word that you want to be my friend, and you are draw near to those who draw near to you, Lord, my God. So as we draw near, Lord, my God, right now, will you just overflow this place, my God, with your love, my God. That someone would experience peace right now. That someone would experience joy right now. Because, Lord, you are a good God. Your Bible, your scripture says, Lord, my God, that you are a good father as well, Lord. And that if your children ask you for bread, you're not going to give them stones, Lord, my God. We're asking for your friendship, my God. And we ask you, Lord, right now, that you will enter into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits. Lord, my God, that we will be faithful as faithful as you have been to us, Lord, my God. Forgive us our trespasses, my God. Forgive us, my God, the things that we have done wrong. Forgive us, my God, for the things that we said, the things that we heard, the things that we, my God, participated in, Lord, my God. Today, Lord, redeem, restore, replenish, my God. There is grace and there is forgiveness for your people, Lord, my God. And right now, Lord, my God, we receive it in Jesus' name, my God. We receive your friendship, my God. Lord, my God, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more, my God, sleepless nights, my God, because, Lord, what a friend we have in Jesus, Lord, my God. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, my God. We bless your name all the days of our life, Lord, my God. Maybe I'm the only one that's happy that God's my friend. When you receive his friendship, you shall lack nothing else. I'm content. Paul says, to abase and to abound. When I have plenty or when I have none, he's still good. I know it's hard to say when you don't have none. But right now, remember this message of God, the friend. I just want to give you guys one minute. Just, you don't have to shout or anything. Just take one moment because this is what God did with me. And just take a moment of prayer for one minute. And just give God thanks. You don't got nothing to think about? I got you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for allowing me to come to church today. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my body. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You're faithful. Hearts of gratitude right now all over the room. Open hearts right now in the name of Jesus, Lord my God. We're thankful, Lord. We really are. We really are, God. We really are thankful because only you know the place that you took us from, the things that you saved us from. Lord, only you, my God, was there in the hospital room with ourselves, my God, when we were by ourselves. Lord, you were there, and you will always be there, and you will continue to be there, and you will not stop being there because you're just always there. You have been there from the beginning of time, and you will be there to the end of time. The author and the finisher of our faith, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Oh, God, we bless your name and forever be glorified, forever and ever, oh, God, forever and ever. We glorify and we magnify your name, Jesus. We glorify your name, Jesus.